0: You're listening to The Mixtape Project. I'm Pete. And I'm Jakob. And together we write and produce songs over at PXY Music.
1: The Mixtape Project is where we share the music that shapes us, giving you a dose of that music-human connection we're all searching for.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Mixtape Project. This is another themed mixtape, and I got to pick the theme. It was It's a bit of a random one, but it, there is a story behind it. And the theme is memorials. And the reason is because, so I'm living at my parents right now, moved back in, living the dream, living the pandemic dream. My dad is a pastor, so he gets a a house with the job. So I've lived in a lot of random houses. I've lived way above my station, I would add. I've lived in great houses, I'm not going to lie. But um, you never know quite what you're going to find in the house because like so many people just left things (laughs) lying around. And I've been helping them with their garden because they've they've actually got a really big garden. And no one has really looked after it in a long time. And so I've been helping my dad dig out plants and just clean it all up. And I came across, he was he was like, all right, young blood, you, you get all the heavy stuff. So I was grabbing like rocks out of this garden bed and we were just getting rocks out. And then suddenly I come across something else and I'm like, this isn't really a rock. And I haul it out. And at first I'm like, dang, is this a gravestone? Because it's like, oh kind of like cut in with stuff it's got the like you know the engraved letters or whatever but thankfully it turns out it's just a memorial nice not a grave but you know i mean memorial <laughs> I, I don't know why i said i don't know why i said nice I I that was well, a weird thing to say it's better than a grave that's cuz i was is. like am i going to stumble across a dead body now i'm not up for that really um but no so that's i just like that happened i like uncovered this memorial stone and i was like hey this would make a good theme and I did to be honest I had a song I was like this would go well I had one song I was like this would go well with uh, which will probably be my first song but that's how we got the theme for this week Do you have, have you had a good week Yaka?
1: that's interesting I've had a really good week it's been a really really good week uh lots of good news in our family and feeling good um I have to say I was I didn't know I struggled with this topic I thought you this might. theme 100% yeah I was like uh I need to start thinking about my mind went down different ways to kind of you think about it. I was speaking to my wife and I was just like, I have no idea one, what to expect from Pete on this one and what to come up with. But yeah, that's a really cool cool story. I need to start thinking like that for my themes. What's happened to me this week that could inspire a theme?
0: Let's get kicked off. Okay, so to give you a sense of where I was going with this, um, the song, as soon as I uncovered this memorial stone, the song I immediately thought of is this really weird one. I am sorry I've gone there. But, um, <laughs> it's a okay. tribute it's a tribute song to the beatles from the artist billy preston who played keyboard oh. for a lot do you know do you know billy preston? Yeah, yeah he played keyboard on um let it be was it that's right yeah. yeah and he was there at the the rooftop concert yeah exactly and uh so he he, he has a like a, a kind of crazy life which seems to be the theme of many of the stories we tell on this podcast but um after uh, his kind of heyday he did this album and this is a just bizarre song so maybe let's just listen uh, the song is beatle tribute by the artist Billy Preston from the album on the air which was released in 1984 so Billy Preston, like we were saying, was a, a 60s session keyboard player, amazing keyboard player, I would add. Um he's been given the title The Fifth Beatle for his work accompanying that group. Um he actually met the Beatles in 1962 in Hamburg. He was ahead of the times. And um he was touring with Little Richard, and that was the his first contact. I love this song. I know it's cheesy, like and I know it's not his greatest work. But I like, there's so much I love about it. Like, he gets all the songs of the Beatles into the lyrics. (laughs) And I know the horns are cheesy. It's a synth horn sound. It's very 80s. We're past the peak of his career. But I don't know, there's something really lovable about it. And I'm not like just liking it in an ironic way. Like, I genuinely like the song. There's a lot I love about it. I, I have a wide capacity for for weird things i'll admit that but um yeah i loved all the all the ways he gets the lyrics in the song titles and i love that that random synth harpsichord whatever that is that's amazing and i love that because he did, he's known for his organ playing not a lot of keys work in there except for the harpsichord and i love that ending it just ends kind of like almost sounds like it's in a different key or something or it just modulates It just lands on that last thing. We love you, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's actually, I think that it almost sounded
1: like the same note as the end of She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Right. Because it has that, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's that like distinct harmony Mm -hmm. between the guys. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I completely get what you mean. Like, I really, really enjoyed that. (laughs) If I was to read the, if someone sent me the lyrics for that, I'd be like, man, this is this is bad, <laughs> you know. I'd, be, I'd just be like, yeah, okay, it's cute, you know. This is cute. But actually, hearing the song, I was like, this is really cool. And I was listening to it, and I I picked one thing that I really liked, which is, this isn't intentional. This is just funny, but I love that it finishes with and Ringo too, <laughs> like it was some <laughs> yeah. kind of afterthought. <laughs> I love that. that was a- uh, <laughs> the guitar work, the tone got that really thin tone that sounds like George Harrison
0: and then so cheesily produced like you know he does that like little like i call them bee stings Deew! yeah you know that yeah one time it's in the left ear then it goes to the right ear it's like that's such a cheesy
1: production i bet, I bet they had a lot of fun though like making this song that's, that's what it, it's great
0: i still love and it. and to top it
1: all off even ringo could drum to this track so even, i love ringo <laughs> i love Go. ringo as well i'm i'm taking the michael it's just a, um, it is
0: a cliche we have to acknowledge.
1: Yeah, some weird guitar sounds. Yeah, I feel like he they would like how how close to a Beatles track we make this, but then they um, the the bass in it was like a synth bass sounds so good, and it pulls it right into the eighties. You know, it really pulls it right into the eighties sound. Really cool. I mean, it's. Just,
0: but I, it stands up as a really good song. I really enjoyed it, despite all the synthetic like production stuff. It it sounds quite real. Like it sounds quite like he's authentically saying like I miss these. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't think I'm reading too much into that.
1: No, I don't think so. And you do get the impression. I mean, when you hear the other, the you hear the Beatles talk about him, you get the impression that he would have been involved. You know, with them if they eventually came back and did any live music, which. You look at how technology caught up with everything. I'm sure they would have done, and I'm sure they would have brought him in. But yeah, just loved that. Enjoyed that. And on paper, Mm. I wouldn't. I don't think I wouldn't have thought that I would have enjoyed it as much as I did. So
0: yeah, I liked that, man. That was a good show. Well, and that was that was the first... I was like, I found a memorial. I've dug a memorial out of the ground. This... um this song needs to needs to find its way to Yakazi's. what are you Mm-mm. I'm very intrigued now because I know this was a hard theme what are you what are you coming up with
1: Mine went completely different sweet completely different um, I kind of went for I'll explain it now but for the most of my tracks I kind of went for like an apocalyptic feel nice I went like uh, you know somewhat in the in the future looking back on a mankind that's Gone or disappeared, or, and uh, a kind of memorial type tribute to that. I guess so. I'll just go straight into the next track. Okay, so my first pick for the memorial theme is in the year twenty-five twenty-five by Zager and Evans from the album, believe it or not, twenty-five twenty-five, <laughs> released in nineteen sixty-nine. So uh yeah, this song was a one-hit wonder. Uh, it was number one for six weeks. And it was actually written a few years before 69 by Rick Evans of Sega and Evans in 1964. So I love the haunting nature of the whole track. Uh, it's really made prominent by all the key changes, I think, and all the orchestral work in the background. But particularly the, the key changes as it, as it moves through you know, every 4,000 years or something. And at, right at the end, you may not notice, but it actually loops right back to the beginning. So it gets to 10,000 years to 3535 35, and then kind of starts all over again with ends and begins with the same lyrics. So really cool. I love, it's quite mathematical, this song, uh, not just because it's numbers, but in kind of the way it was put together. And you know, I really enjoy that. So as I said, it, it was a one hit wonder as people would say, but it was number one for six weeks and, uh, they did get a, a good spot in uh, time magazine and, uh, Uh, Denny Zager said, no one expects something like that. Time magazine actually featured us in their magazine and wrote, the Beatles would be jealous. So there's a little link for you, Pete. Ah. The Beatles would be jealous, and who would have believed two farm boys from Nebraska would have had a number one hit in the world, have Time magazine saying the Beatles would be jealous. I couldn't have dreamed it. So very cool. Um, Very cool. How does it link to the theme? Well, I feel like the track represents almost like a prophecy for the future of mankind. Mm. Uh, you you can kind of almost imagine their time travelers like coming back and kind of telling you you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you might say a memorial for mankind perhaps in the future. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: See what I did there? That's beautiful. That's so, uh, an amazing song.
1: That's a, oh, I'm so glad you hadn't heard it because when I thought feeling. when I thought of it I was like Pete's going to love this. That's right up exactly. his <laughs> alley. Yeah, lyrically, it's just fantastic.
0: It, so I'm I'm looking at the lyrics right now because I had to check them out. Mm-hmm. They are they are fantastic lyrics. The they are, aren't they? In the year thirty five thirty five, ain't gonna need to tell the truth or tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say is in the pills you took today. Yep. And then in the year forty five forty five, you ain't gonna need your teeth, and you won't need <laughs> your eyes. You won't find a thing to chew and nobody's going to look at you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my favorite is actually the next verse. In the year 5555, your arms are hanging limp by your sides, your legs got nothing to do, some machine doing that for you. I'm like, whoa. That's right. So yeah, love love, love the lyrics. Always love the lyrics. But do you get what I mean about the hauntingness of
0: it? Oh, yeah. The
1: key change? Do the key changes kind of do
0: something for you in that way? They do, but also the production. It's got such Mm. a like... You know the San Francisco sound. Mm-hmm. It, it just—I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast—but so much of that psychedelic era now has that Manson family-like feel. Yeah. You know, it's just a bit jangly, a bit reverbery, and it, um, yeah, it just like there's a bit of darkness there. You know what I mean? I mean, I always Absolutely. feel that about the Flower Power generation, right? Like they—I really, appre- I really love that they were such idealists, but it's almost like. They uncovered something in their quest for a, a higher truth, and what they uncovered was kind of dark, and they had to put it away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's this yeah. fascinating sociological thing where lots of the the people who were like the most ardent hippies of the the '60s, are now like right, the Christian right, you know what I mean? And it's like it's almost like they uncovered some stuff, and now they want to put it away, <laughs> they put it away. Mm-hmm. And this kind of feels a little bit similar. It's like, oh wow, they really went deep. With some of these things, and it's interestingly, I'm looking at Genius.com and they say oh, the song was number one a week before Apollo Eleven's moon landing. Ah, oh, cool! Isn't that crazy? So things were big. Things were happening
1: as we've made our way through this podcast and come across music like this. There's been a lot of sci fi influence in, mm. in these decades, you know. And you know, you mentioned there about Apollo and stuff like that. It it must have resonated with them so much. Everything that was changing in the world and you know, m- moon and space and everything like it, it must have been a real massive source of inspiration for a lot of people. Um, I'm getting, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd assume like with this track as well, like me- media, film and stuff
0: would have been a really big influence on it. That's I think that's what makes this era so nostalgic for us is that like everything was new for them. Like they were discovering, oh, we can do like visuals with our music shows. We can do, you know, what I mean, all of that was like new. And now it feels I don't know, it's hard to get away from like feelings of saturation or mm-hmm. it's all been done before, you know? For better yeah. or for worse. Absolutely. It's very rare that you get
1: something like that now that feels it's exciting, isn't it, when you when you get something where it's like, Man, this feels really
0: new. And it and yeah. it's it does feel exciting. Well and also on the whole, like pop is fairly not to sound, again, like too much of an old person, but it does feel like pop is incredibly narrow these days. In in you know, like, can you imagine a song like this coming out? Like, hey, I'm going to imagine living in the future where you're picking your child out of a test tube. <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> that would instantly get shut down for some reason. You know, like I feel I, I kind of I miss that there was a time when you could get a number one with a crazy ass song. <laughs> also, I I kind of feel like as well,
1: this is a one-hit wonder that kind of, it came out of nowhere, mm. and they managed to have an orchestra on the
0: track. Like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> I know. <And laughs> like, can I have, like, can I have, can
1: I have an orchestra, please? No, you yeah. can't have an orchestra, you no. fool.
0: There's no money to be made in music, you crazy idiot. <laughs> you need to understand how the YouTube algorithms work. Get out of here.
1: Here, take this keyboard. <laughs> so this, uh, this, this is the when I was struggling with the theme. This is the track that jumped out. And it inspired That's quite a few end. songs. So
0: so there's going to be an apocalyptic theme. So the next track is Wanna Break by the artist Gravediggers from the album Nightmare in A Minor, which was released in 2002. Different musical tack, yeah. that choice. But I love that song, man. It's just hype. It's like classic, get hyped off that relation to memorials they're called the grave diggers this was actually a super group and this is from their last album the name concept uh comes from this idea which i'll quote one of the members saying we're digging graves of the mentally dead and it stood for resurrecting the mentally dead from their state of unawareness and ignorance so fairly high high concept there but yeah, yeah i was
1: surprised by that <laughs> it's, this is kind of similar to something that i've said before on one of the other podcasts but i'm always surprised by tracks like this how um someone could do so much with so little you know it's like there's that there's that like you know really strong beat there and like those funky kind of keys like clav sounding type keys that maybe slightly distorted i don't know and um production wise and the track behind there's just not that much going on but it's all the attitude the the lip, like the the lyrics and the writing and all the angst of everyone there that just mm. carries it. It doesn't it doesn't it's so easy for a track to be boring, but like with genres like this, it never feels that way because there's so much attitude that just kind of carries it over. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So, that's
0: a really good description. It's kinda like canned. It's like this mm-hmm. really intense vibe and it's canned so it's just like as soon as you start the track it just all comes out until the end and that kind of it kind of reminds me of
1: punk in that sense you know you get some you know like the kind of two or three chords all just it's kind of repetitive music musically there's not that much going on um which isn't completely fair to say for this track but it's all the attitude and the the power and the angst that kind of drives you through you know and gets you excited about it and that's how
0: i feel about this cool Where are you going to take us on your apocalyptic journey, Yaka?
1: So my next track is Earth Died Screaming by Tom Waits from the album Bone Machine, released in 1992. I love saying that, Bone Machine. (laughs) As you said, Pete, that artwork is pretty freaky. So a bit of background on that. Uh, So this was recorded in Prairie Sun Recording Studios in California. It was recorded in the room that they call the Wait Room, which apparently is located in the cellar of the building in a studio made of cement. And I really feel like you can hear that in this recording. You can hear that in, in this album and also the other album that I think Tom recorded here, Mule Variations, A little quote from Tom there, Tom Waits, is, I found a great room to work in, and it's just a cement floor and a hot water heater. Okay, we'll do it here. It's got some good echo. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I could just imagine Tom saying that. And everything he says is, (laughs) because it's Tom, everything's artistic. I love it. But, yeah, you get imagery of that kind of concrete, you know, the cement, the hard, harsh environment of him recording that. And I think it really lends to that track. Interestingly as well, for most of this album, and I think for this track, Tom did um, all the percussion. The percussion is really interesting on this song. And he mm. played drums in other tracks. But yeah, I just love the whole apocalyptic feel to this song. And it gives me a lot of cinematic imagery in my brain, you know, the end of the world. But well, the end of the world's happened and there's a few survivors left and they're just kind of rummaging their way around the earth. You know. but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say about this one, Pete. Yeah, I felt like you're gonna
0: outweird me this
1: episode, which is—I know. I thought I had a chance of doing it this time. <laughs> actually, <laughs>
0: that's great. It's uh yeah, it has a uh, a very different song to anything I've heard like recently. You know what I mean? Like you get into certain modes of listening, and that's just so visceral. Great, oh, of course. Tom Waits' voice is just so iconic very haunting that yeah the album cover is freaky and the whole sound actually i don't know if you've seen true detective season one no oh you gotta watch it you go it's good. so good it's so good but it's freaky it's very like and the song kind of reminded me of like cajun witchcraft <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's, totally there's something that. something dark about it but also very like connected to nature in a in a kind of old school pagan way which yeah is,
1: i hear that it kind of it kind of feels like it's been stripped down to its rawest, most natural form. Mm-hmm. Whatever genre is kicking out there, you know, it's like he's channeling every every. every <laughs> That's a good e- question.
0: What what genre is he kicking out there? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. I get like,
1: you know, lyrically and the kind of the repetitiveness of some bits. Like, well, the hook or the cor- it's a chorus, so it's going to be repetitive. But something about it that just screams like dirty, natural kind of blues to me. But mm-hmm. then it's wrapped up in all that percussion and the production as well. That way that chorus just flies out at you, um, kind of takes it away from there slightly. But you know, I could sit with my acoustic and do something like this in a kind of bluesy way. You know, I could imagine writing this in that vein and then getting into the studio and it taking a completely left turn. You know, but uh, he had a, you know, he was he was definitely in in a vibe when he when he was doing this. You can hear it, and uh, yeah, very cool.
0: Very cool. Yeah, but v- really evocative sound. It's one of those songs where I'm like, did I enjoy that or was I just like taken <laughs> away? You know what I mean? Like, not yeah. in a bad way. No, I it's totally just, get it's not that. Really, it's not really entertainment. It's more mm-hmm. in my notes. To
1: say it, something in my notes. I almost put something um, to do with that. I almost put that. Th- I don't listen to this song very often. You know, this isn't on my playlist that I, that's just sure. going to pop on while I'm working. It's kind of like it's a song that I play for people. that I know they're going to appreciate you know it's yeah. one of those type of songs that you pull it out and it's like man have you heard this check this out and for a few minutes you're just loving it mm-hmm. and and you know you're just kind of almost in shock with the thing
0: i also love the end with the horns coming in yeah it's really cool isn't it it was really cool i almost i almost wanted it more like to come throughout the song but then i, I understand why you just give you know you just give a little a little hope at the end yeah it's i get really, that really cool
1: yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, and you could go either way, couldn't you? If you were recording this, if you were doing this mm-hmm. yourself, you'd be like, man, do I bring something in at some musicality early? Or should we yeah. leave it as a little thing at the end? And that's a very purposeful choice, you know, by Tom to do that. So,
0: very cool. Great choice, Yaka. So, the song I'm going to choose to follow that is a song called Hollywood Forever Cemetery Sings. By Father John Misty from the album *Fear Fun*, released in 2012. But I want to, I want to play you a, a radio version he recorded for KEXP. Shout out to the radio engineer, who I believe, according to the the video, is Kevin Suggs of KEXP Radio. Does such a great job. I like prefer this mix to the album. Um, it's just raw. Feels more, it uh, just feels better than the, uh, yeah. the kind of cleaner album version. Sick guitar tone, right, Yaka? Yeah.
1: Put a round of applause in there, Pete. Put a round of applause. Yeah. Yeah, the guitar tone was so crisp, so mm-hmm. like visceral rock. Like, oh man, I absolutely loved it. That was so exciting. You know what? Fleet Foxes are like one of my favorite bands of the last 10, 15 years or whatever. I've I've never actually listened to um, his solo stuff, you know, and I recognise his vocals from those from those previous albums. I don't oh, actually think he performs with the Fleet Foxes anymore, but um, I can hear his his vocals and didn't understand how prominent he was in the Fleet
0: Foxes stuff. Right, that's- Yaka is alluding to my first factoid, which oh, is that <laughs> Josh Tillman. Was part of Fleet Foxes. He actually filled in as a drummer for a bit, and obviously did backing vocals as well. Uh, and this is his first album under the moniker of Father John Misty. So, yeah, that is good ears, cool. yeah.
1: Great sound. Nah, it's a brilliant sound. I'm really excited about that song. I'm really excited to listen to his stuff. I, I haven't checked him out, so
0: I'm surprised at that you hadn't heard him because uh, well, Yaka's my rock, my rock guy. I'm probably your hip hop guy, so mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised.
1: Well, actually some of my friends have played me stuff before and I just don't think I've been kind of in the right headspace to listen to it. You know, you go through phases of kind of discovering music Absolutely. and you're kind of into certain th- genres at certain times mm-hmm. and I had one of my friends who I, I did a lot of gigs with and stuff in the past and we both you know, did some Fleet Foxes tracks and stuff and yeah, he'd, he'd tell me about him all the time and I would kind of I just wasn't in the frame of mind to hear it. But just having that forced upon me there, I'm like, whoa, this is so good. This I think I, uh,
0: I picked the the right ones for you, Yaka.
1: You did. That was <laughs> fantastic.
0: It's a great song. I think whatever, I know that sound and that whole indie music thing is, is a little like back, a while back now, eight years ago that was released. Um, yeah. But it just, man, you can't deny that that's a great, written song and it does everything it needs to do and I, I love that the song is is like the, the actual contents of the song are about something rather like not as ethereal as some of the, the lyrics might seem like it's really about a girl who gets off having sex in cemeteries and I just think that's an amazing like lyric like that, you know one of the lyrics uh, what am I going to tell people when I've been to like one of several funerals for my grandpa this week <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I oh, just that's think that's great. it's so irreverent, but it's it's fun and it's uh, it's an amazing song. I really enjoy it. I was introduced to it by uh, a friend of mine in America, Clark Abbott. He uh, he introduced me to this, and not being like super into the the indie world, um, the rock world, he he kind of set me straight, which is sick. I just love it. as the guitar tone just immediately struck struck me, and yeah. Really, really cool song.
1: For for me personally, that live performance, not overly polished, just lots of attitude, lots of aggression, and I kind of need that from indie rock, you know. And yeah, so much passion, and I love the percussion through that. Like it's got such just a constant groove, and even in those bits where they're kind of all hitting their instruments and getting that kind of wall of crazy sound, the drums and the tambourine like just carry the whole thing, and it sounds. You can you can lay back and uh, you can lay on that beat. You know, it's just it's constant and, and taking you through.
0: It doesn't you do You can lay much, back and like think that. of England, Jacker, yeah,
1: <laughs> in the graveyard. In the graveyard.
0: Yeah, really, really like that. What are you? What do you got next?
1: So my next song choice is "After the Gold Rush" by Neil Young from the album. What do you think the album's called, Pete?
0: <laughs>
1: "After the Gold Rush," <laughs> released in 1970. My favourite Neil Young album. Brilliant album. You should check that whole album out. So the song split into three parts, starting with a kind of medieval theme, moving into a 70s almost stoner theme, you know, where Neil describes himself lying in a burnt-out basement, having a joint, and finally into a futuristic sci-fi theme, I guess, where it kind of describes the children of the earth being transported to a new world by... Aliens, or at least that's my take on it, or by a, a spacecraft, I guess. So standout lyrics for me uh, in that final section, which relates to this theme. So all in a dream, all in a dream, the loading had begun, flying Mother Nature's silver seed to a new home in the sun. Flying Mother Nature's silver seed to a new home. Yeah, really cool. I, I really enjoy just the really relaxed nature of the whole track. And I really enjoy the small little bits of musicality he puts in there, like those horn sections and stuff. But uh, it's the lyrics that stand out to me, you know, through and through the whole track. Lyrically, it's it's one of my favorite songs. The The imagery of kind of each section, they just stand out. Just when you hear it and you, you can imagine him kind of in his basement looking up into the stars. And then there were children crying and colors flying, like, It's just, it sparks a lot of imagery and I really like it. And uh, yeah, so Pete, you know, what do you think about this? I I don't really want to talk too much about it because it's, it's kind of one of those tracks, like I said, that kind of really stand out lyrically for me. And yeah,
0: what what do you feel about that? Yeah, I felt like I need to listen to it again. Mm. Um, It kind of washed over me uh as usual i sometimes i'm like not in the mind to listen to lyrics it's really no, I, get, no, I get really that. important but i just um i kind of washed it I, I always love obviously i'm a piano player so i like piano songs um for some reason i didn't realize that his voice went that high <laughs> that was like really distracting for me i was like this feels very like he's pushing his upper vocal register mm. but it was I, cool
1: I, interesting that you say that as well because um there's a a quote from Tom York from Radiohead that when he listened to this album and this song particularly is what is he, he very rarely, but occasionally covers this track. And he said that when he heard Neil sing like this, he felt like there was hope, hope for his own vocal style when it kind of encouraged him to, to want to be a singer and not just kind of like a guitar player and stuff. So yeah, a little factoid to that point you mentioned there. But his voice is quite thin, isn't it? Like in this upper register. And yeah. I kind of like it. It's not, it's not perfect. And I, I'm really, I love how he sits with that and he's totally cool with it.
0: You know, so yeah. Very cool collection of songs so far and a lot that I'm going to go back to. So the next song, I've always heard as a memorial in terms of this lyrical content and the the feeling of the song. So I included it in the memorial mixtape. It is Leon Russell. The song is called A Song for You and it's from the album Leon Leon Russell. Also from 1970. Wow. So beautiful song. Um it's beautiful. Yeah, it's almost like there's not really much to say about it. You just got to listen to it and absorb it. Um mm. I definitely had some late nights listening to this and I think it I think it's in my uh I think it's in my tears club there's a few songs that just make me cry like every yeah. time this is definitely up uh, one of them um i just there's a few things about the production that are just awesome like i love something that maybe people don't realize but in a lot of pop records now they would uh, get rid of all his breathing yeah uh, on his vocal take but it's just really powerful that they that it's all left in. Like he's controlling it himself live. And you can kind of hear him like, mm, you know, all the noises, the noises that come with, with singing. And it just makes it so powerful. And um, there's like lots of space in the whole track as well. You have these really muted horns um, that just do a great job of accompanying the feeling of the song. Yeah. But it's a really special song. It's a really special song um leon russell is a songwriter he lived in l a in the sixties as a session player. He played piano on a lot of the hits from that era uh, if some of you are aware of the um the group of session musicians called the wrecking crew who played on like every every record of that time he was loosely affiliated with with that group um f- interesting enough this wasn't this was on his debut kind of breakout album and they didn't release it as a single weird but um it got covered a bit and has grown in popularity uh he wrote it for the singer rita coolidge but they they didn't end up together so it's almost like a memorial to a to a love you know absolutely it doesn't that doesn't exist anymore and those standout lyrics like i love you in a place where there's no space and time um yeah i feel like this song really <laughs> like dampened the mood in a really beautiful way but <laughs>
1: No, I absolutely love that man. And yeah, uh, my the notes that I've I've got on that you you've kind of touched upon, but just to kind of, just to back up the points is the vocal delivery is phenomenal. And actually when I f- when I first heard it I was like, "Oh, this is unusual. This is this is strange." And then I was just lost in the track and I mm. forgot about it. Really characteristic in some of his like note choices. And uh yeah, all the breathing and all the stuff that you would try and cut out now. It's left in, and you you just when when you hear songs like this, where singers are being recorded and performing in this way, you they're just bearing their soul out, you know, just laying it all out, warts and all, and it's it's really powerful, really really mm. powerful, and you know, I feel like in a song song like this, you only have so many takes that you can do, yeah. you know, yeah. really cool vocal style, and the horn is that's a great shout there. It's this? it's a it just takes you through the song it's the perfect it's the perfect um accompaniment to that to that track. It sounds so beautiful and it just carries you in this really smooth way makes it mm. really wavy really really enjoyed it and yet yeah, interesting what you said about him you know being a, a keys player because there's some really really cool at like the intro it was it was the intro had that like really cool kind of cascading keys melody right mm. yeah. And, it, and I think it appeared later on in the track as well. Yeah, really cool. And as a funny little factoid to kind of go go away from how beautiful that track was, actually, there's some of it that remind me of um, melody-wise uh, Barry White. I love you just the way you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't know exactly what it is, but um, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic song. And I heard like a lot of Van Morrison in that as well. Actually, late, late Van Morrison.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's. Um... I would describe it as almost like cosmic. There's something very deep we've alluded to it a bit in some of our descriptions, but like it's just very grounded and earthy, but it's also very transcendental in in a weird way. Mm-hmm. One of those songs where are like the only preparation you can do for writing that is is to live it, yeah, and they're the best, the best songwriting is like so inefficient. <laughs> you have to live so much life to write decent songs like you know what i mean
1: yeah no absolutely and for that three minute song well i think when you when you do try and write songs or write lyrics or something it's you have experiences in your life where you feel like it's a waste of an experience if you don't capture it in some way with, (laughs) with music or with song or lyric and you think Man, I've gone through all that, <laughs> and it would be silly of me not to capture it. <laughs> Spoken like a true addict. Yeah, yeah. But personally, like I've put a lot of pressure on myself to do stuff like that before, and uh sometimes it even takes over the emotion of what you're going through. <laughs> it's like it it distracts you for a while. You're like, okay, I've got.
0: I need to write about this. <laughs> and oh, here's an interesting question. Do you find you need a bit of distance from the immediate moment? to To be able to convey, because I often find when I am feeling something so deep, I am unable to put it into a form that is musical or artistic. That's interesting. I think
1: lyrically, for me, it's you've, you. You, for me, you almost have to punish yourself with the emotion, and you <laughs> have to do it, and, and like while you are kind of going through it, interesting. That's how I feel. And, That's really um, interesting. But I, I, but if from from like guitar work and stuff like that or practically putting chords together or or melodies even that always comes much later for me In, in when i'm trying to write something that's really personal hmm. i kind of get the lyrics done and then it's and then i just can kind of put it to the side and oh. a few months later i'll be doing something and i'm like oh those will fit and that's kind of it's kind of two parts to it for me. I've, yeah, n- I've never so never played guitar in and come up with kind of chords and melodies that stick in those yeah. moments, but o- only
0: lyrics work that way for me. That's a really interesting process, and I totally understand what you mean because I think the th- what is the thing that glues a song together? Like it is the whole intent and the feeling you're trying to say. Mm. Because otherwise, it, you can just break it down into you know chord numbers or whatever, which is super boring. And so many songs use the same chords. So it is interesting that it is the like the feeling and the the intent that actually, you know, separates songs from other songs, you know. They're yeah. all using the same chords, the same instruments most of the time. And and so, and,
1: and usually have writers. You know, I think right. you hear a song like this and there's no doubt that this guy's connected to every word that he's singing. You know, yeah. and it's how could you sing something like this that someone else has wrote? You can only you know, you can maybe connect it to some emotions and stuff that you've gone through, but you can kind of only pretend it's just, it's just pretend. Yeah. You know, it's just, just, I think there's no, when you have some lyrics and work that's so meaningful to you, it could be six months, a year, two years later, whatever you come to sing it you come to perform it. And that's all your emotion. That's everything. And you've, you've worked really hard on it and it's going to evoke all those emotions and all that passion. So I can't imagine mm. taking a song like this that someone else has wrote and even come close to delivering it in, with, with the type of feel and passion that, that he does. So,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: man, that's very cool. Okay, so my next choice and final choice for the this theme, uh, the track is "Hope There's Someone," uh, sung by Anthony and the Johnsons, released in two thousand and five from the album "I Am a Bird Now." So, Anouie or Anthony uh, has a super characteristic voice, and it's Marmite, in my opinion. You know, you love it or you hate it, and at least that's been my experience when I've showed this to people before. And this the song sparks such deep emotion of loss, and is is really personal to you know to me and my family as well. And I think it resonates with anyone who's lost someone has ever thought about their own kind of mortality and it's just that kind of hope that there's someone there when when something happens when the worst happens the vocals are just stand out in the track and that's the same with with all the music it's it's so powerful such a powerful vocalist but my standout lyrics are uh, there's a ghost on the horizon when i go to bed how can i fall asleep at night how will i rest my head Oh, I'm scared of the middle place between light and nowhere. I don't want to be the one left in there. Super powerful. Super, super powerful. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it's kind of like what you said about the last track, Pete, and what I said about the Neil Young one as well. It's when there's so much emotion in a song, you almost don't want to kind of practically pull it apart too much because it's something that you kind of just need to experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's fair.
0: So yeah, have you have you heard this one before? I have not heard of the artist at all. Um very haunting. Very haunting. I I'm gonna break your theory. I'm like either or on the vocals. I okay. it's a lot of vibrato. Mm-hmm. Almost kinda operatic, uh, which is not usually my vibe, mm. but it fits the song, so I kind of can go either way on it. I my favorite bit though was the end where it just becomes a crescendo, yeah. of voices. That was so powerful. Yeah, that was I'd like a that. waterfall, a waterfall of voices. Like it was so beautiful, all these streams coming together, and just that was really powerful. That was that was my favorite part. That was awesome.
1: They actually do uh, a lot of performances with an orchestra, so it did, and it suits it suits the, the voice really well. Kind of reminds me of some stuff. I don't know if you've seen Peter Gabriel and some of the stuff that he's done live with like orchestras and stuff. No, I haven't seen it. Really cool stuff. But uh, there's a the kind of a bit of a correlation between. Them. But yeah, really, really powerful. And you know, it, it's it, it's an artist that maybe people haven't heard of that much, but um, the artist gets a lot of recognition from some big, big uh, heavyweights in the industry, such as Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan. Get a lot of uh, not shabby, not too shabby, not too shabby. They, uh, Anthony and the Johnsons, even make it on uh, the two tribute albums and movies to the to both those artists. And if you know anything about those artists, uh, especially Bob Dylan, pretty controlling about who makes it onto uh, things with their name on. So, yeah, lots of good things to say about Anthony and the Johnsons.
0: Mm, but yeah, it, yeah, I, I like how we ended in a very emotional, emotionally raw place. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of that's not connected to my apocalyptic theme. Um, it's just something I kind of put on the end there, which is a really powerful song. And I'm yeah, as you said there, I'm really glad
0: you did the same. It all links up in the comes end together. So uh, that was a great. That was a great mix. Uh, that's mixtape. one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite mixtapes. I think that was really really good. Lots to come back to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and yet it was a, you know it was a challenge as well, which was interesting that it forced us to really think about some interesting mm. music and um, lots of good stuff
1: yeah lots of good stuff really really enjoyable lots of, I, I, lots of stuff I'm going to be checking out after the show
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mixtape Project. Check out the show notes for each episode at pxymusic.com, where you can also find the music. music.
1: And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word. Subscribe, tell a friend.